Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. You know a spot, but not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the all-new 2023 Nissan Frontier. With standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wiley, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where I get to talk to sexy people from all over the world about the amazing stories that they have collected in their lives of pleasure. Our guest today is a 30-year-old white Danish cis female. She would characterize herself as heteroflexible, is in a monogamous relationship of two years with a German man, and is a sensual submissive who loves spanking, intense kissing, anticipation, and struggle-fucking. Born and raised in Denmark, where she currently lives and works as a researcher at a university, welcome Josie! 
Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I am so excited to hear about struggle fucking. But first, can you tell our listeners if you had to rate yourself on a sexual shame-a-meter with one being totally shameless and 10 being full of shame, where do you fall today? I think I would say a, between a three and a two. Can you say a little bit about why? I was brought up to feel that sex was shameful, so I already had a lot of help moving up the shameometer. Beautiful. I think that I really, in the last three years or so, have really come into my own sexuality and figured out what I like and all these things. So that makes it less shameful as well, I would say, because I feel more confident in what I enjoy. Yes. And can you just give us a little overview of what that sex life is like right now? It sounds wonderful. What are your favorite parts? Right now, it's very on-off because my partner is living abroad for a year. So when he is here, we have a lot of sex. And when he isn't, we have no sex. So it changes a lot. But generally, I have a, like you said in the intro, monogamous sex life. So I mostly have sex with just my partner. But sometimes I have sex with other people, other lovers, or sometimes well, we only did that once so far, but we have sex with other people together. Yes. Okay. Oh, I cannot wait to hear those details. Before we get there, can you tell us what does sexy mean to you? I think sexy to me, first and foremost, means playfulness. Mm. Like sex being this grown-up fun that you have together and you can be playful yes. and open. And yeah, that's really sexy to me, openness, playfulness, things like that. I love that definition. I don't know if I've said it in those words before. I fucking love that. Beautiful. Did you ever learn about consent in an explicit way growing up? It's hard for me to remember. I do remember in school, you know, in the fifth or sixth grade, watching these videos in sex ed. They were clearly filmed in the 80s, these videos, with these kids at parties flirting and sort of very educational over didactic videos about how it's okay to say no if you don't want to kiss a boy at a party and stuff like this but that's about the extent of it I think. Okay can you recall if or when you've had a personal experience with consent being super sexy? I remember I think it was a few years ago maybe three years ago I was seeing a guy and we were having sex for the first and it turned out only time <laughs> well he went down on me first and then before sort of moving on to penetration he asked me like literally are you ready for this <laughs> and that's the first time anyone ever explicitly asked me like are you ready to be entered and oh. I thought that was such a nice gesture even though it sounds a bit unsexy and formal it worked really well in the moment yeah, yeah. What a beautiful check-in. It was super nice. That's the first time I was like, oh, this is actually sexy, like talking explicitly about it. Nice. Then can you tell us what happens to your shameometer when it's time for you to talk to a new partner about safer sex? What does that conversation look like in your perfect world? I think it depends so much who the person is. Some people, I find it extremely comfortable and easy to talk to. And then for some reason that I haven't quite figured out yet, with other people, it's really hard and way more shameful. Yeah. I mean, with the partner I have now, it's so easy and it always was. I think that's part of what attracted me to him. He's just really good at talking about consent in a way I never experienced before. 
maybe this connects to the what is the definition of sexy. He's good at making consent playful and <gasps> sexy. I remember one of the first times we were on a date together. We were sitting in his couch drinking wine and he was suggesting this game where we would take turns saying something that we thought the other person might enjoy sexually or, you know, how they like being touched or something. Yeah. And then you would tip if you liked it. And if you didn't like it, you had to remove a piece of clothing. <laughs> so it was like a way of talking about very preliminary boundaries, but in a way that also was like really sexy and kind of a game, you know. That's incredibly creative. Is he a creative person? Is he that creative, like in the rest of your lovemaking? Like, yes, he's, I love that about him. He's so creative sexually. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, I can't wait for details. Okay. But first, take us back to your early years. What is your first memory around sex? I don't have this kind of one moment where I discovered sex, but I think one of my earliest memories is actually a masturbation memory. Like, I think it must have been like the late 90s. So I must have been, I don't know, six or seven. And I remember very distinctly lying in my room and masturbating to the voice of Cher. Singing or? Yeah, like it was that hit, like Believe. Yeah. And I think that her voice somehow, because I couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman. Yeah. Because I didn't know at that time who Cher was. And I remember being weirdly turned on, even at like a really young age, from this kind of very androgynous voice. Wow. What was the vibe in your household like around sex growing up? Was it pretty open? Yes, very open. I think at points too open, actually. I think even now for people coming into my family from the outside, they can be a bit like, wow, you are very open. In what ways? Just the fact that we actually talk about sex qualifies us very open for most people. Yeah. Most people don't talk to their parents about sex. My parents were always very open about the fact that they have sex. I mean, of course, not sharing like a lot of details, but I always knew somehow that they had sex and they had an active sex life. Do you remember any of the kinds of things that they would say? Like, would it be like, well, we're going to go have grown up time now? Or were they like flirty in public <laughs> or like what? Like how? Yeah, I think did... it was just the vibe. They were okay. flirty and I mean, my dad is like, you know, a man-child. He's still like a teenager mentally. I feel like he just likes to joke about sex and say sexual things in this kind of way that teenagers do where they don't really realize when it's appropriate or not. Okay. <laughs> Danish culture as a whole is relatively sexually open. Certainly when you compare it to the United States, it is. Yeah, I think it helps that it's not very religious because I think a lot of Bad sex education also stems from religiousness. I have only read books about Danish sex ed, and I do remember reading that it's similarly in larger metropolitan cities, it's more open, and then in smaller towns, it's still more conservative. What size community did you grow up in? I would say a bigger city. Okay. In the rural towns, it's different, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But Denmark was the first country in the world to legalize porn. And I think generally there is a relaxedness about nudity, which of course doesn't necessarily translate into openness about sex, but at least it helps a bit. <laughs> Some of the body stuff. Yeah. Do you have any like memories around 
I don't know, like, how do you feel about your body growing up or growing up in a culture where, like, nudity is normal? Because I'm a person that it was only a few years ago that I was like, wait a second, I'm a grown up. I don't have to wear clothes as long as I'm allowed to not wear them, you know. But my parents used to live in Germany. And so, like, we've gone to some of the spas and things. And so, like, it's very normal to be naked there. But it never occurred to me that I could just, like, be naked in my own house here until, like, five years ago. So, like, what was your relationship to nudity growing up? And do you see an effect of that, like, on your sexual self? I mean, my parents were always naked. I okay. felt like they were always naked. They probably weren't <laughs> naked that often. But, you know, when you're a kid, it's just embarrassing. I have this horrible memory from like the fourth or fifth grade of coming home early from school with a friend and my mom sitting naked on the dining table cutting her toenails. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh it's my like God. a triple whammy of embarrassment like she's naked she's sitting on the dining table and she's cutting her toenails <laughs> i feel like that's something i would do i mean i don't sit on my own dining table naked but it's because it's tall i'm not often walking around naked i didn't take that over from my parents but i think the older i get the more comfortable i am with my body definitely i mean when i was younger i really didn't like my body mm. but i feel like as i'm getting older it's becoming more relaxed i definitely had that experience May it continue for all of us in the ways that we want. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so for all of us. That is why I still wiggle. I wiggle every day just to remind myself that life is wiggly. My body is wiggly. Can you tell us what you remember about friendships and sex growing up? Like, did your friends talk about it outside of the sounds like mediocre sex ed you got? Like, did, you, did it come up at school? Did you learn anything there? <laughs> yeah, we did talk about it. I remember talking about my girlfriends at school about text. Definitely. And also like sex related stuff or like bodily things like periods and all these things. I remember having like a text message chain with all the girls in my class where you would text every girl in the class when you got your first period and stuff like this. <laughs> oh, that's kind of cool. Was it like celebratory? Yeah, it really was like, Ooh, congratulations. I love that. Maybe if you were like the very first or the very last, it might have been actually a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember it as an issue. Yeah, we talked about sex and I still talk about sex with my friends. Amazing. Where in your friend group were you like when it came to having sex or doing sexual things, like whether it was masturbation or with partners, like were you first media? Well, it sounds like you were definitely first with masturbation because you're always doing it. Probably. <laughs> I think masturbation is still very taboo. I mean, at least in my friend group, we talk about sex a lot. It's only like in the last year that I've actually talked to friends about masturbation and how we masturbate and how we orgasm and these things. And it was so liberating, actually, to talk about. That's awesome. How did that come up? Did you bring it up? Did they bring it up? Was it just happenstance? Did somebody have a vibrator party? I think we were talking specifically about orgasms, like how people actually come. Because a friend had like an issue with a guy who was angry that she couldn't come from clitoral stimulation, but only from penetration, which is a bit backwards because normally it would be the other way around. Whoa. Also, just that somebody would be angry about what someone else's orgasm is or isn't is kind of mind blowing. And I think that just led into a conversation about how we actually very concretely orgasm. I love that. Okay, so concretely, how do you orgasm? Well, until three years ago, only from outside clitoral stimulation. I only discovered really late in my life that I can also come from internal stimulation, but very rarely from penetration. It's happened like once or twice my whole sex life. Got it. But if it's like fingering or a toy or something, I can come from 
internal stimulation, but it takes longer, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually use a combo. How do you like to touch yourself? Yeah, definitely also the combo. I mean, I used to never do that. I used to always only do outside clitoral stimulation. That's how I masturbated for years and years. I go through phases for sure. Yeah, I just discovered fingering a few years ago. and was like, well, this is actually nice. I can actually finger myself and it feels extra good when it's double the fun, I feel. Totally. Are you like a one finger or two finger? Like, what do you like for yourself? And are you fingering just your vagina or are you an asshole person as well? Sometimes I do ass as well. Okay. Most of the time it's just one finger, sometimes two. Yeah, why is it sometimes two? I don't know what determines that. (laughs) It's so funny that some days I'm like, what do I do? I think, yeah, I think I'm more likely to do a rocking motion with fingers in currently. Like that's my current penetration mode. It does switch over the years. (laughs) What do you mean when you say rocking? So like very close? Like I'll use the base of my hand kind of on my clit. So I'm getting like pressure outside Mm. here and then I'll like rock it. So it's kind of like fucking myself as if I'm a toy a little bit. And then sometimes I'll reach around back with the other hand and like play with the butthole a little bit. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I also feel like sometimes if you do two fingers, there is this one finger that really has nothing to do and is kind of in the way unless I put it in my butt. (laughs) So I also kind of started doing it just because it was in the way and I was like maybe I could put it in there (laughs) I love that okay so when did you start exploring with partners what do you remember about your first experiences I had sex like penetrative sex for the first time when I was 15 okay had you done other explorations before that Mostly just like extended makeout sessions and a bit of like outside touching and stuff. I think not anything like directly involving genitals, I don't think. Got it. Okay, so this first exploration was like (laughs) zero to 100. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I was very ready for it. I went to boarding school in the ninth grade. It's like a thing in Denmark where you do either ninth or tenth grade boarding school. And when I think of boarding schools, normally I think about this posh, rich kids who are sent away from home. But it's very like hippie, go for a year and explore your interests. So I did like a year of theater. And it's just basically 15 to 17 year olds being let loose without their parents in a school where they can do music or boy scouting or whatever they are interested in. That's amazing. And they travel away from home, so they have a different experience. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. I mean, you can go home on the weekends if you want, but it's sort of a little taste of independence. That's a beautiful way to prepare people for adulthood. So I lost my virginity there, and I think a lot of people do. That's perfect. (laughs) That's so perfect. And it it was with a guy that I had been dating for a few weeks and really liked each other. And he was a virgin too. So it was very sweet, very comfortable. But the actual sex was quick and bad. I mean, of course, none of us had any clue what we were doing. Yeah. (laughs) Did you try it again with that same partner afterwards? And did you talk about it? Or what do you remember like feeling about the experience? I remember feeling relieved that it had happened. Because I think anticipating it, because we kind of knew, I think, for a while that we would do it at some point. So it was kind of nice to actually do it finally. And it was a good experience. Actually, I'm a triplet. So I have a brother and a sister the same age. And they both had sex before me. So I was kind of the last one in the group to lose my virginity. So it was also kind of nice that I could finally talk to them about it and kind of be part of the club in a way. Totally. (laughs) That's really cool. Did being a triplet influence your experience or understanding of sex at all? Like, is that, does that come up at all? Just in terms of having two other people that are going through development at the same time? Or is there like 
friendship or is there comparison? Like, how has that functioned for you? Yeah, I think definitely we have been leaning on each other a lot. We share a lot. I think that also contributes to why the family is so open about sex because we are all the same age and share with each other, especially my sister. She's really my best friend in a way. We share so many details and she's the person that I bounce things off of with emotions and sexuality and things. So they really influence me in the sense that we share each other. And I also think, you know, like you mentioned, comparison. We have developed through comparison in so many areas of our life. It's hard not to. Humans are mimicking animals. I'm thinking about comparison specifically because I recently read Brene Brown's latest book that talks about like clumps of emotions that have to do with comparison. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's one of the ways that we learn. And there's like a downside in some cases. And there's like, you know, all kinds of parts to it. I mean, what am I doing on this podcast? But interviewing people to be like, wait, so, so what do you what's it like for you? OK, OK. Yeah, me too. Oh, no, I'm different. OK. You know, like, <laughs> like I think it could be a really helpful learning tool if we can keep that openness, that open spirit about it. So that first partnered experience, was that a partner you continued to see for a while? Was it like a learning experience? What unfolded from there after your first time? Yeah, we were together for a few months. The way I remember it, I was very, very passive. Like, I didn't know what I was doing and I was so insecure. And it took me a few years of having sex to realize that sex wasn't just something that happened to me, but I actually had agency and I was an active participant and I could have desires. And and I remember him having very, he was very skinny and tall. I was always into like giraffes <laughs> with men and women. I love really skinny, really tall people. How are you tall? How tall are you? No, I'm like 5'7 or so, quite average. Okay. I think people here would consider that tall. I'm 5'8 and people are often like, you're so tall. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, you are kind of a giraffe. But are you also into the animal giraffe oh, or just no, people no. giraffes? Okay. One of my friends calls the people I like giraffes and she calls the people she likes dolphins because she likes people who are small and completely hairless. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. One of my friends a while ago pointed out to me that the people I was having crushes on all looked like owls. I love this animal comparison thing. It's amazing. And I'm very curious <laughs> if other people out there have a similar thing. If you do, if you're into a certain type of animal human, let us know. What happened next in your sexual unfolding? You had this passive experience. Is there anything else to say about the passivity? Like, was there a fun part of passivity of like, I liked this getting done to me? Or was it more sort of just like, I don't know what to do here? Or how did you experience it? I just really didn't know what to do. I mean, I think we were both too inexperienced. Like, he also had no idea what he was doing. He didn't warm me up at all. And he had quite a small penis. And I remember struggling a lot when I was on top and thinking that I was the problem and that I was just bad at it or something. Yeah, it was all such a blur. And we had no communication about sex. I had no tools to sort of talk openly about it. So it was just this kind of thing that happened almost in parallel of the rest of our relationship. Totally. As I hear you talk, I'm thinking, gosh, even in the last few years when I've had more like casual sex where the person wasn't as comfortable talking and there have been moments where I'm like, it's not fitting quite right or we can't find the rhythm. The story that I make up in my head is still like, oh, fuck, I'm bad at this. I think I'm bad at this. And then it's just like, yeah, exactly. no, we're just you not connecting. It yeah. And it's bullshit. Yeah, it's yeah. bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It's like we are bad at this together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's a co-creation. Sex is a co-creation. Like you said, like if we're both passive, then uh, nothing's going to happen. OK, so how did things unfold for you from there? What did you start exploring? Like when did you feel like you started to be like, oh, this is what it is? I had a lot of one night stands and very brief 
affair. I was in my first serious relationship when I was 20. Okay. So it was like five years of a lot of one night stands, a lot of random affairs and stuff. And I think it wasn't until I was maybe 18, 19, and I started seeing people more regularly where you can like build something over time. And yeah, I remember specifically one guy I was seeing when I was, I think, 19, who was one of the first people who were really good at talking more about sex and what he liked and what I liked and things like that. And I think those types of experiences really helped for me because you need that kind of modeling of behavior. <laughs> That's kind of how I learned because you can read about it and you can you know talk about it but like you always say like it's hard to actually do it you can feel like oh I know so much about sex and communication but then when you're in the situation it's like oh but how do I actually do this yeah it's like oh I have to practice the feeling that I read about now and it's brand new and my nervous system is freaking out and it's just like the only time I get to practice is when I'm faced with that experience now unless I can figure out a way to do feelings practice which is what I might do <laughs> <laughs> sounds like the world needs that it would be really fun I think when I was 18 I moved out of, from my parents house and got more independent and I graduated high school or yeah I don't know it's not quite the same school system but started working full-time and I think just kind of growing up a bit also just helped and I had more sort of free time also to read about sex but it's also when I started to be more interested in sex as a topic and sort of reading about it online but in the beginning it was very like cosmo and those kind of horrible sex tips when you think about it now if i had not stumbled into like meeting a sex educator at an event i was photographing like eight years ago i never would have known that sex education in adulthood was even a thing i was like you're a what oh you can teach me how to touch myself in a speech like yeah. in a talk that's a talk you're giving to a room what like I remember like how yeah so Cosmo yeah I mean that was always so useless it was always just you know like the kind of sex tips that are super unrealistic like yeah you should have a fist of gravel on his balls because the sensation feels nice and then warm water in your mouth and like it was always so elaborate like who has sex like that you know <laughs> I don't know, but nobody I've interviewed here, like nobody so far has told me either of those things. But <laughs> if you're out there listening, or you're like, yeah, I tried those weird Cosmo tips. I would love to hear your experience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a few things I think still help, at least as ways to think about sensation. So maybe the practicalities of it is not quite doable for most people, but oh, right, there's balls. You can do things to balls. That took me a while to realize. Same. It really wasn't until my former master was like, yeah, I like it. Now with every new partner, I'm like balls. And half of the people who have balls are like, nobody's ever tried to touch them before. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. But it's also as a woman, like in society, I feel balls have this mythical status. It's these very sensitive things. They can't take anything, but they can take quite a lot. <laughs> Yeah, well, and they're so different depending on who they are and where they are in their arousal and the relationship between the person and like the context is so important. Speaking of both, the partner I'm with now, we met in January 2020, so right before COVID. And then I left for a different country for four months right after we met. We were fucking casually for about five weeks and then I left and then COVID happened. Holy cow. So we were both just stuck at home and we started doing a lot of like sexy snapchatting and stuff and at some point we made like instructional videos for each other and he made me a video just about his balls and what he likes and how he's 
heart system because I was like, I'm not so sure about what to do with your balls. And then he made me an instructional video. <laughs> okay, so literally just yesterday, I was like, I think what I'd like to create is a secret web page where I just make my own videos for my lovers to know how I like to get touched and to invite explorations. And now here you are telling me your partner has done this for you. Yeah. What was that like to receive? Oh, it was so amazing. It was so nice because we didn't know each other that well. So the stakes weren't super high emotionally, which made it easier. And we were both like stuck at home in different countries. Yeah. And yeah, it was just so nice because it felt like a very safe way to exchange about what we like. That's so cool. Do you think he would feel comfortable with you telling us like what details did he include? Like what did he think to send oh, yeah, you? Oh yeah, definitely. My biggest takeaway from the video was don't squeeze, but you can pull. Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't realize those differences. Like yeah. I was just randomly touching balls without really knowing what I was doing. And I, that really clicked with me. Like, okay, you can't squeeze the actual testicles, but you can pull because the skin isn't that sensitive. Yeah. So that helps because then I feel like I know more where I can be rough and where I can't be. I just took away that he really loves to get the massage. And also, I think I never realized how relaxing ball touching was for him. I don't know if it applies to other people, but at least for him, it's actually also a good way to delay him from coming because, you know, coming is all about tensing up. But if I start massaging them, it goes in the other direction. So I can sort of edge him a bit longer. God, that makes me want to go find some penises to practice yeah. on. And I think it's the same for him. He's not open to prostate play yet. But if I sort of massage his prostate just from the outside, that also relaxes him a lot. Yes. So I didn't know that at all before he made a long instructional video about balls. That's so <laughs> cool. Did you return with an instructional video of your own? Yeah, I made a video about fingering. Can you tell us what you remember saying or just tell us a new version now? I was very focused on also exploring myself. At that time, I was also only a year into fingering myself. So it was actually quite useful for me also to force myself to put into words what I like. I think I focused a lot on lube, like make it wet. Because <laughs> I'm not a naturally super wet person. I really need like spit or lube or something. Yeah. Even if I'm very turned on. So I was very focused on lube and I was kind of showing him, you know, how I touch myself when I masturbate and teasing around the outside. And then I was showing him like which knuckles to go to and he puts it in. And if you go this knuckle in, there's a good spot here. But if you go deeper, there's also a good spot here. And Because I feel like there's like two good spots inside of me. Oh, that makes me want to do an exploration on myself. This is amazing. That's great. I don't think I could identify two different spots inside of myself right now. And that makes me want to add it to my bucket list and really go try it. That's so cool. Do you have the same experience with toys? Like, can you find spots with toys or is it different? I mean, I know it literally is a different internal experience, but can you speak to it for yourself? Yeah, I'm not very experienced with toys. I don't masturbate with toys very often. I have quite a few. I recently actually, I recently got a satisfier. Yes. From my partner. I never tried it before, but it's a bit too intense for my clit. It's quite sensitive. Mine too. It feels 
feels really good. But then the minute I start coming, I have to take it off because it's too much. And then it kind of ruins the orgasm. Yeah, <laughs> I use mine up top a lot, like right where the skin kind of splits, mm. like not directly on my clit, but it's like above. And so then it vibrates through. And then when I start to come, I can like move it a little bit, like very lightly, almost over. Like I have to be pretty creative with that toy because direct stimulation will just like hurt and buzz me out pretty quick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm the same. So I was also quite focused on that in the video, like not too much pressure. I think I'm quite sensitive. Does it ever feel good to get directly stimulated or do you pretty much need some covering or is that where wetness comes into play? I can have it directly stimulated if it's more wet, basically. But I prefer fingers and tongues definitely to vibrators. I really like flat firm pressure on my clit and around my clit. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health, but if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I, too, love having a hard cock. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. I realized recently I hesitated to tell partners that for so long because then they would only try to make me come. And I also really enjoy just the whole sensory experience. So I think like early sexual me was like, I'll take the uncomfortable edging if it means it lasts longer. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, oh, thank God I'm learning. Okay. Yeah. With the part I have now, it feels like he has kind of almost given my clip its own personality. Like he talks about it almost like as a person. I love that. Can you give us examples? Do any come to mind? I think it's often if he's really, really edging me. Like sometimes he does this thing where he changes constantly between outside control stimulation and inside fingering. Mm -hmm. And sort of he builds this like one huge orgasm where I'm not sure where he finally is going to release it. If he's going to let me come on the outside or the inside. And normally those two orgasms feel quite separate to me. But if you kind of change between the two types of stimulation for long enough, it just built into this big ball of orgasm where I can't tell anymore where it's going to come from. And then when he does the fingering and my clit is very, very excited, he kind of describes it as this kind of really eager schoolgirl, like, pick me, pick me, I know, please, 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 please. <laughs> so and it's really hilarious. 
<laughs> so hot. Oh my god, that's cute too. That's yeah, just that's like cute. Yeah. It's cute and it's hot and just like getting attention like that and the switches of the touches. Have you ever had a partner like this before? This sounds no, really it's special. Okay. So luxurious. But it's so weird. It felt like the very first time we had sex, he just knew my pussy. And I never had this experience before, the first time having sex with someone that he just had my orgasm in the palm of his hand. It felt like the very first time we had sex, he just knew my pussy. And I never had this experience before, the first time having sex with someone that he just had my orgasm in the palm of his hand. And I never had that experience before. Usually you kind of have to forget it a bit. Yeah. But we just had this crazy chemistry. It was insane. Oh my God, I'm so happy. I want that for everybody. That's so fucking cool. I think I heard you say something about him letting you come. Is there a little bit of a dynamic there? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, not all the time. Yeah. But sometimes we play, yeah. How does it come up for you? And is that new for you? Have you ever experienced that before? I mean, with him, it's the first time I consciously played with a dom-stop dynamic. I always knew that I liked, you know, for the guy to take charge and maybe tell me a bit what to do or a bit of like banking or something. But I never really went beyond that. I was in a relationship for seven years from 20 to 27 with a guy and we had a fine sex life, but it just died. The last like three years we were together, we almost had no sex. We just weren't very sexually compatible I think I mean we had couple therapy for a while and I just remember this moment where the therapist was asking about our sex life and she was like oh so what do you like Josie and I was like oh yeah I really like being dominated I like when the guy takes charge and tells me what to do and maybe getting a bit rough and then she asked my ex so what do you like oh I just love you know Pleasing Josie, I just want to do what Josie wants to do. And the therapist was like, Well, that's great. You're very sexually compatible. You know, you, you can just do what you want to do then. And I was like, Oh, that's like the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> like she just didn't understand this kind of dumb stuff. And they were like, Yes. I exactly don't want him to do what I want to do. You know, I want him to take his own pleasure and make me do what he wants me to do, you know. Totally, <laughs> totally. It became so clear to me in that moment. It's like, oh, we really have a problem here. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. I mean, because it's like, yeah, you either have to be able to be like, oh, we're both submissive. We want to take turns. Yeah. But also like if it's like sometimes you just don't. Sometimes you just don't. Well, it's fine. I mean, it's freed you up for this experience. <laughs> yes. No, it's great. And it was a wonderful relationship. It, it was a huge success overall. And I learned so much. Yeah, no bad feelings at yeah. all. But I really came into my own sexually when that ended because then I was single again after so many years. I had never been on Tinder because that did exist back when I met my ex. I had kind of missed just dating and being a bit slutty and having one night stands because I did that a lot, you know, between 15 and 20. So it was kind of a nice experience going back to that vibe of like having a lot of different lovers and things. But then being older and more confident and actually knowing what I wanted and what I was doing, it was incredible oh that's so cool what did you notice about your sexual self like were you able to experience more pleasure or was it like more like prowly and fun or can you compare is it even worth comparing to your younger years you know like what do you want to say about your tinder time i think tinder is really great if you know what you're looking for and i've always loved being single and dating i always found it so exciting and mm. fun and i think if you take it as just that as an experience 
experience every time you meet a new person. Tinder is the perfect platform, but if you're looking like for true love and <laughs> and things, it might be harder. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if I lived in a country or city where other dating apps were more popular, I mean, in Denmark, it's really Tinder. Really? Okay. So there's not Bumble or Hinge? No, Bumble and Hepping and Hinge. And I mean, we checked out me and my partner, a few of those apps like Field and yeah. things, but like nobody is on it. Really? <laughs> so it's hard to do like poly dating because you only have Tinder and they shut down you know, couple profiles very quickly. Yeah, I managed to meet one couple on Tinder, but that's about it. Yeah, I was like, I kind of want to try to see what it would be like to be with a woman. And I was sort of swiping through women on Tinder. And then this couple showed up where both the woman and the guy were really hot. And they were in the same sort of general work field as me, like in academia. And they just seemed really fun and open. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I could go on a date with a couple. I don't know. And then we matched and we went on a date and it was just really nice and so relaxed. And they were very experienced. They had been together for like 10 years and were used to dating people. So they didn't have any of those like starting problems or issues where you have to figure out all the kinks of the communication and stuff. So it was so comfortable and it was kind of cool. I was going into the date being like worried, like, oh, will they like me? Will they find me attractive? But then quite quickly, I realized that they were really trying to woo me, you know, and it was kind of fun to kind of have that feeling of someone trying to woo you like together in a way. How fun. Did it work? Did they woo you? Yeah, they did. You got wooed. What was that like? It was great. I mean, we went on a date and then one more date, I think. And then the third date, we had sex and it was so cool. I never had a threesome before and I was really nervous. And I also never was with a woman before. So it was really like double newness. But it was incredible. It was just so comfortable. I expected it to be so awkward. Yeah. And it just wasn't. They were so playful and open. And yeah, they were really good at making me feel comfortable. And it was so nice. To have that feeling of switching between doing and watching. You rarely get to watch other people have sex very closely and what their dynamic is like. Yeah. But I actually think my favorite part was the cuddling afterwards. Like, I'm such a cuddle slut and totally. having double the people to cuddle with, just cuddling in a big pile naked was just amazing. That's so good. <laughs> I love it so much. I'm like, how many things can I wrap around? Oh, I can touch everyone? That's so perfect. Ugh. I know. It's beautiful. And you had this kind of hard male body and this soft female yes. body. And I like this contrast and it was so nice. That's amazing. Have you had any other group experiences? I mean, me and my current partner tried to go on a couple date with another couple, but it was not a good experience. Okay. <laughs> I was so confident after the first couple experience because I saw them quite a few times and everything was always just so great and comfortable and I was like oh yeah I can do this and my partner was really supportive about it as well and when I had seen the couple I would used to go home and tell him all the details because he would kind of get really turned on by me being with another woman and yeah, yeah it was really fun then we decided to try dating a couple together or maybe swinging a bit but there isn't really a lot of swinging scene in 
in our area. So we had to kind of try to find a couple to go on a date with. And they were really nice. And we had coffee first. And then later in the day, we decided to meet up for dinner. So we kind of had this coffee to see if we even have chemistry and we like each other and no one is a psycho and all that. And then we kind of had a more formal date in the evening. And it kind of turned into us kissing. So my partner was kissing the woman and I was kissing the guy. And we were all getting naked and having all sex next to each other. But I don't know, the vibe was just off. I think both me and my partner felt that they were nice, but we weren't like crazy into them. But I think we felt pressure because they had come from two hours away and ordered a hotel and stuff. So I think we felt pressure to sort of show them a good time now that yeah. they were finally there. But yeah, we were making out and having all sex, but I could just tell that my partner wasn't feeling it and I wasn't feeling it very much. So at some point we just said, yeah, do you mind if we just leave it here? And then we just cuddled a bit and they went home. <laughs> That's beautiful, though. That's amazing that you were able to notice it in real time and shift course. I mean, like, it sucks that it wasn't like fireworks. I should have noticed earlier how uncomfortable he was. I mm. think it was a learning experience. Yeah, yeah. For all of you, because he can say stuff, too. Like, it's not up to one person. Always a co-creation. If it's four people, it's a four-way co-creation. Yeah. You know. But we had a really good experience with a threesome after that. He was seeing a Brazilian woman, and she was bisexual, and they had kind of been talking about threesomes, and they both seemed interested. So we had, like, a date, all three of us, and ended up having sex. And we had sex a few times and that was really amazing. So it was nice to kind of come back from the awkward first couple experience. And she was just really amazing and very open. And yeah, it was really hard to see my partner with her. And yeah, it was really nice. <gasps> That's amazing. How was your dynamic? Like, was he kind of like leading it or what was like, what did it feel like to be all three together? Or was it just sort of like flowy once you got there? It was for the most part quite Chloe, but I would say that we were both really submissive, me and her. So kind of took top turns, taking more of the dominant and the more submissive role. And we also dumped her a bit together, but very lightly. How hot. I can go into a more dominant role, but it's not my preferred. I mean, I feel like it's more fun as a game than actual a turn on. It feels more like I'm playing. Oh, yeah. That's the headspace that I definitely have to get into. And I can absolutely access it much more easily if the person that's giving me orders, like, because then if it's like I'm just carrying out another order for the sake of everyone, great. <laughs> that's really easy for me. Do you have any, like, group sex fantasies or types of threesomes that you hope to have in the future? Like, would you want to have one with two dudes or anything like that? I would, but it would really have to be in a specific setting, I think. If I could be dominated by two dudes, it might be nice. I think it's because often in porn, threesomes with two guys and a woman, it just looks so busy. <laughs> like there's so many cocks everywhere. I'm just not sure if I could handle it. Amazing. But I would be curious to see it. But I mean, my partner is tragically straight. <laughs> I mean, my biggest minimum would be to just see him. Even just kiss another guy. Totally. But yeah, he's so Tragically straight. straight is such a good term. Okay, so you would theoretically be open to it. It doesn't sound like it's on the immediate horizon. Yeah, I feel about it in, you know, that way where if it fell into my lap, I would take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. I don't know if I wanted enough to spend the energy to actively cultivate a two-guy threesome. 
That's where I am. I literally like sit around talking about my fantasies and I hope they'll show up at some point. And like I will put effort in when I'm ready, but I'm actually currently in the process of like organizing my bucket list so I can figure out because I'm like, okay, my life pattern is to do too many things at once. So I sexually, I'm going to organize the things that I want to do right now and then just prioritize. And so I'll only search for one thing at a time. So it's not like expending all my energy for everything. And so I think that that's going to be kind of my happy medium that I'm experimenting with right now. Can I ask what's on top of the list right now? I don't know what I was just going to say out loud. I'm like, so maybe my gangbang fantasy, but actually in terms of like actually finding that. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor. And they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice. So I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up? Embrace your desires and find like-minded people. This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Fleur. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories. So they downloaded Fleur and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor App celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Floor invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Floor now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. I think my next step is actually going to be getting back on a dating app and just experimenting with... I have a really hard time with dating apps in general because choosing and the people, it's a hard thing. But I want to start by experimenting with finding partners who are very comfortable with explicit openness and getting them to take me on a proper date because I actually haven't done that what do you mean by proper date though like a regular dinner like I've never like met someone and gotten anyone to like invite me to a date where they ask me questions about myself and pick the thing and do like I have always curated experiences for people so I want to practice asking for people who want to curate experiences for me because I actually don't have any experience getting spoiled and one of my friends was like you maybe need to try it like I felt spoiled with my former master but looking back on it I'm like well it was in this very tiny tiny box and I never asked for any of it it's all receiving related like the bucket list stuff and so even me to make a bucket list and to be like I'd like to have a double penetration and a cock in my mouth. <laughs> like, you know, like that is something that I want. 
And that feels really hard to find. But I think I could start by finding one person who wants to treat me well, who's interested in that and then find safety buddies and go from there. It may be that sex parties skip to the top. I don't know. We'll see. You know, like building the mobile dungeon is like the top of all of it right now. Like literally just gathering all of my toys and saving up for my trailer. But do you have something at the top of your bucket list right now? Like if you just had to think off the top of your head? I mean, I would very much like to explore sort of BDSM more with more different people. Yeah, I would like to go to a BDSM club. There is a, a local BDSM chapter in the city that I live in. But of course, it's not huge. Like it's 300,000 people city. So it's not a huge scene. But me and my partner went to like an intro night there to see the spaces and just have a coffee and I mean, there was no playing or anything going on. It was like really for people who just wanted to come and see what it was. That's great. And then we had actually signed up to go to like a real play evening. And we had got all dressed up in sexy clothes and everything. And then 15 minutes before we were supposed to go out the door, there was like a press conference and Denmark is shutting down again. And <laughs> Corona. So we, oh. we ended up not going. And now... My partner is away for years. Like the BDSM stuff is really a bit on hold right now because we miss each other so much. So yeah. our sex is way more very like sensual and loving and sort of intense in another way. But I hope we can pick it up in August when he's like back for good. And when Corona has died down even more. Yeah, that's probably on top of my list. Just exploring the whole scene a bit more and maybe see if there's a munch or something, you know. Ugh, maybe that's at the top of my list too. Now I have like six more answers too. I'm also literally saving up a fund for myself to hire sex workers to do stuff to me. So I'm like tiptoeing into my own sex worky stuff to save up for paying other sex workers to have the type of sex with me that I, I mean, not full service stuff, but like I want to get tied fancy by someone who's awesome at rope because I'm not in a place where I have tons of time to cultivate all of these relationships and I get really overwhelmed and I have a hard time reading social signals. Like I would really love to find someone who's interested in tying me if I can film it and have someone photograph, you know, like the whole co-creation of all of it. Like, that's the type of stuff that I really want to kind of get into. Is the tying also a lot about aesthetics for you? I don't know yet. Like, looking at it so far of other people, I find it very beautiful. But I've only been minimally tied and it was only around my wrists behind my back. So I actually don't have experience. But I really love being compressed and squeezed. Like, I basically want to deep dive everything. And so I'm like, okay, let's get systematic and figure out where to start and then document the process because we love it. You know, like, I don't know. So right now, all I have to go off of is aesthetics and desire because I have seen a suspension in real life at the first play party that I went to. And it was so beautiful. And that couple seemed so, like, mysterious and cool. And they, like, didn't make eye contact with anyone. And they were just, like, after caring. To like, I watched them and I was like, what an intense experience, you know, but all of it, like I want to try all of it. And I'm pretty open to opportunity. <laughs> We've played a little bit with rope as well. Me and my partner, he climbs, so he loves rope in general. Amazing. But he's not like super practiced with like techniques and stuff. But I think he would like to do it more. But I did date a guy a few times who was super experienced with shibari and it was such a weird experience being tied up and hung from the ceiling and like it was hard for me to like find it sexy because i was so in my head like what's happening now what's going on now what is he doing now but i think i would enjoy it more if i got more used to it yeah yeah well so that's hilarious and amazing that you said that because my experience there the first time that i'm doing something i get totally like 
turned on by the novelty, but absolutely distracted from sex. Like I get distracted away from sex because I'm like, what's happening? What is it? And I do. I want to look at everything, but it excites me so much. So I've noticed that I actually just need a little bit of a transition period. Like the first time that my former master used an anal hook on me, I like wanted to look at it. I wanted to see what was happening. I wanted to like calibrate the experience on my body and look in the mirror and see all these things. And, you know, and it was an experience for me. And then the next couple of times we used it, we got to some transcendent places because it was like I developed more trust with my body and the experience that was happening to it. So did you get tied more than once with him? I only saw him twice. He was perfect on paper, but we didn't have a lot of sexual chemistry. That could be part of it. With my general experiences with BDSM play, I'm very bratty. Really? I think it's because I like being put in my place. Like, I like physically, like, being put in my place. Yeah. And I think with him, he was not tolerating brightness at all. He wanted complete submission. Oh, okay. And I never had that before. And it made me realize that my breadiness is a way to really keep a little bit of control, even when submitting. Because normally my BDSM is really a bedroom thing. And he also would, like, tie me up while he was cooking and just make me stand there and he would decide when I get to drink my wine or I was really incapacitated outside of the bedroom and I found that so uncomfortable. Those are the types of things I have little fantasies about and I don't know if I would like them in real life and there's only one way for me to find out you know that's that's somewhere on my bucket list. Would he tie you up like to a chair or were you just like standing there or? He had this kind of wooden bar attached to the wall so he tied me up to that. Those slat things. Yeah. What is that called? Some sort of ladder thing. There's a name for it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And then in his bedroom, he had a hook in the wall. Yeah, a hard point. But it was cool in the sense that he was very experienced with the technical stuff. So he didn't have to look at what he was doing. Mm. And he had this technique where he was kind of breathing with the tie. Mm. It was like he was holding me almost while he was tying me and we were kind of breathing together. Really cool. That was super nice. Yeah. And there was this moment when he was like hoisting me up in the hook in the ceiling. And then he just left me there. And like his chest was bare, but he was still wearing pants. Uh And he just lied down underneath me on the floor and just stared at me for like five minutes. And that was weirdly hot. That is so hot. (laughs) I was like, oh, this is very intimidating, but also really hot. Were you still or was you, were you like slowly rotating, like paint the picture? Yeah, I was her. rotating a bit. Yeah. I wasn't naked the first time. I was still wearing pantyhose. And then the second time I was naked and he was also using a dildo on me while I was hanging there. Oh, my God. OK, that was my next question, because the couple that I watched did sexual stuff. But I've spoken with other rope tops and rope bunnies who are like, no, we don't touch each other's genitals. Like, what's wrong with you for asking that, you know, like just out in the world? Because everyone has their own experience. So he did do some stuff to you and you liked at least some of it, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, I think I feel the same way. Exactly what you said. I love novelty. Yeah. But it also takes me a while to get out of my head and sort of relax into the situation. And I think this is very typical with a lot of people who are submissive, that I'm really a control freak. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I love submitting, because I finally get to just not be in control and take a while to get there, you know. And I didn't know him that well. I mean, we had talked about safe words and boundaries and things before. So I trusted him also because I knew he was very experienced in the BDSM scene. And still, when you don't know the person so well, 
You are more in your head, I feel. I certainly am. But I also know that for me, I think this is a current like noodle on myself about how maybe I function. I think when I talk a lot with a person, especially a sexual partner, it's sort of a testing of trust building of like, if they just want me to shut up because they just want to fuck me now, then they can go away. Especially if they are a dom who's going to have control over me, me being allowed to talk myself into a state where I have to like spin all my energy out and wind down and have someone like hold that energy for me so that then I can relax. And for me, it is part of the trust building because it's scary to just like give all my power to someone right away who I don't know, even though I want to do it. I mean, I, I also felt very apprehensive about it. He's the only person where I really knew he was a dom and I met him explicitly to explore that together and play together. I made sure the first time that we met, you know, in a public park and we just said hi for half an hour. Great. And then we had seen each other and we could know like, okay. And then we went on actually two more dates before we even did anything sexual. And we had a lot of time to talk about what we like. And that was nice. Every encounter should be like that. But of course, they aren't always. I know. <laughs> well, but I think a lot of people just don't know that it's possible because the more that I talk to people, the more I do hear some amazing stories of people who totally know it's possible. And then more people who are like, yeah, I want that. So maybe we're doing it now. What other sexy things have you experienced and loved or want to explore? So many things. I would like to explore spanking more. Mm. I love spanking. I mean, it's so nice. I can't explain it. I just like the feeling of just being completely in my body yeah. and just receiving spanks. <laughs> it's not so much about the pain. Do you have specific places that you like spanks? I primarily enjoy being spanked on my butt. I would say face is off limits. Generally speaking, I'm not very much into humiliation. And I think maybe also because of porn, I associate face slapping a lot with this kind of very humiliating type of porn where women are just like throat fucked and slapped and spit on and all of those things I have done and they were sexy in certain contexts but primarily it's off limits unless I'm in a very specific mood and it's for the partner who understands that it's not about the humiliation and yeah, all these things. Yeah, for me, it's like the context that is so important in liking those things. If it's a given, it's not sexy. Yeah. I mean, my partner, when we first started seeing each other, he made this list, like the classic sort of BDSM checklist of everything he could think of and I had to rate it and have done, haven't done yet, like how much do I like it, all these things. And I think I did say face slapping was a no-go. Yeah, beautiful. Like I did set that boundary from the very beginning. He's only done it once or twice when he was sure it was okay and stuff. And he's not very much into pain. He's a very sensual dom. So for him, it's not about pain and slapping and spanking and stuff. It's more the kind of sensual teasing, edging. So it's not often that he really gives me a good spanking. I think I have to find that elsewhere. Or maybe in August. I don't know. Maybe in August. I mean, he just doesn't like pain enough because he's too worried about hurting me. Yeah, I can relate to that. 
even like if we give each other a massage, you very light. Like some people just have a light touch, I think. That is such a good way to say that. And it's not that they don't want to give you what you want. He's really good at giving me what I want. Obviously, I'm very satisfied. He just has too light a touch. I don't know how else to put it. No, it's like we may just have differently wired nervous systems because we are just sensing with whatever tools we have. And so you just never know how it feels to another person. He's just more sensitive than me also. Maybe that's why. Like he has a lower pain tolerance and like for instance, taking medicine he's very affected even by a painkiller it can make him almost feel high like his body is very sensitive i think whoa i think that's why he has this light touch because i would have that too if i was that sensitive i would be way more careful (laughs) totally a lot of people have sent me articles and like resources about highly sensitive people like it's literally just called hsp a highly sensitive person and they're like are you this because i'm really sensitive to sounds and things that doesn't really resonate with me but maybe he's a highly sensitive person who knows i mean i don't want to paint him to be this delicate flower like yeah 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 (laughs) he's very manly (laughs) no but just like a perceptive a perceptive person is maybe a better way to describe it exactly are there any other like turn-ons or specific turn-offs that we haven't covered yet maybe i should mention the struggle fucking Oh, yes. I wanted to ask you about that. Oh, yeah. So is struggle fucking related to your bratty side? Like, it feels like they would go together. Yes, very much. And we call it struggle fucking, me and my partner, because it is kind of a form of consensual non-consent play. But it's more akin to wrestling than this kind of more like rape or ravishment fantasy. We have sex, but we struggle the whole way through to see who has the power. And he keeps trying to fuck me and I keep trying to resist. But obviously, I want him to win. So So I think I just prefer the term struggle fucking because I don't know. I don't like the word rape, even if it's just play. To me, struggle fucking says this is a game that's definitely a game. This is a way to play this kind of game. Wow. How do you decide when you're struggle fucking? Like, do you talk about it ahead of time or do you have certain signals or cues that you use with each other? Or do you just have like a general container of safety so that you know how to stop if you need to? I mean, we have general safe words and we have a timeout signal as well. So even if you don't want to save for it, but you just want to time out, we tap each other twice because if you can't talk or whatever. So if you tap the other person twice anywhere in their body, it's time out. Yeah, that's beautiful. But I think I want to get better at using it. The time out, I think sometimes I'm just in my head and then I try to have sex anyway, hoping that I will go into my body. Yeah. And then it never really happens. Yeah, no. So I think in those cases, I have to be better at timing out at some point when I'm realizing, okay, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. I got more experience at doing that. I got to the point because our timeout word used to be mercy. And so I was really good at being like, mercy on my whatever body part needed a break. Or I would be like, mercy because I need a drink of water. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I love to give reasons and stuff, but that's a me choosing to give a reason. I love giving reasons because I love to be like accurate. Like it's part of a deep delight for me, which I only mentioned because people are like, you don't need to explain yourself. And I'm like, no, totally. It's very fun for me to give you all the reasons. Is it because it feels like you're more of a good girl if you're accurate? Yes, it is definitely part of it. It's also because like there's an element of being a good girl because Look how logical, practical, and efficient I am. I thought it all the way through. And because I have so much experience with people like questioning my perfectly logical, efficient reasons for doing things (laughs) or like randomly yelling at me. And I'm like, no, 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 I have a really good reason. It's just a lot of what I do seems really random to people. Like I get so much reflection even from friends and family that like, oh, you're just like this like free spirit and you like do whatever you want. And I'm like, actually like, 
this is my list of like 11 things that I'm working on systematically over the next six to nine years in an effort to tangibly change the world and make it a practical, more loving place every single day. And I wake up at 530, very excited to cross off my, what, you know, so, so I like love to be recognized for my reasons. And so giving a mercy reason, like it was so fun for me. And that is what helped it. It gamified it. It made it playful so that then I could say exactly what I needed. And sometimes I would even be like, mercy, because I need to figure out what I need, like, or just because I need to breathe. Playful too, you know, you make so sexy. It's so sexy and it's so fun. And it's not about anybody doing anything wrong. It's just like, oh, you have a need? Cool. Let's do the need. What is it? But I think that's what I struggle with, actually, because I don't have a reason. It's just like I'm in my head. Yeah. I mean, I guess that is a reason, but I think I sometimes should be better at just timing out earlier somehow. Do you ever tell your partner when you're in your head? Because sometimes I'd be like, I'm thinking too much. I need a slap, you know? (laughs) Yeah, maybe I should do slaps for that. We could try that method, actually. It worked for me, but like that's a thing that just gets me into my physical body. And what I've realized more and more is that my mind is just like, you know, it does that spin out thing. And that's why impact and sensation is so important for keeping me here and present now. I feel exactly the same way. It really is just a way to get into my body. Yeah. God, now that I'm talking about it, I need to move that to the top of my bucket list. (laughs) Slaps. (laughs) I really like this kind of overstimulation. Like, you're tired and something's happening here and here and here. I think that's also... I only started doing anal play with my current partner. He was the first person I had anal sex with. I really like that element has been added because it's another opportunity for like many ways of being stimulated at once. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's the most consistent way that I come. And I don't know if it's taboo or all of it or if it's just like everywhere. Then it's like my brain can't hold on to the anxiety anymore and it just like has to let go. And then there's a great orgasm. What are you exploring anally or like do you wear butt plugs? Do you like to get fucked while wearing a butt plug? I know you're not super into toys, but if someone puts them in you, are you? (laughs) I do enjoy butt plugs. I don't know how much of it is about the sensation. I don't think it's primarily about sensation. I think it's more about the, yeah, the taboo. Yeah, we have played a bit with butt plugs. Usually it's if we're going to have anal sex, we do it as a warm up. But a few times it was also the butt plug myself and my partner got me this anal vibrator with a remote control so we've been playing a bit with that as well okay are there any other like fantasies we haven't talked about or just things about your sex life that are necessary to have an overview i know there's probably like a million details but yes (laughs) kissing is important to me even when i masturbate i make out with my own hand i need I do too. I've been like sticking out my tongue lately, like as if I'm making out with someone or I'll bite my lip. Or sometimes when I was younger, like a kid, I used to make out with my pillow, like while coming, you know, or like chew on it or something. But I definitely have an oral fixation. I love to have a cock in my mouth if I'm coming. That's nice. And that's again, this kind of overstimulation thing. Yeah. But yes, kissing is very important to me. The worst thing my partner can do if he's like feeling mean gummy is to withhold kisses from me. It's the yes. worst thing ever. It's like torture. I would rather be, you know, whipped with a cane than that. Yeah. <laughs> and the cane is my hate instrument, number one, because I like study. You're so mean. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that. So then are first kisses very important to you or how, like, the lead up, the yeah. build up? Have you ever had a bad kisser turn into a good kisser? Or, like, what are your kiss experiences like? 
I've had a bad kisser turn into an okay kisser, but I think it's hard to salvage if you have very different kissing styles. Because mm-hmm. I think there's not really such a thing as a bad or a good kisser, but there are certain styles that just don't go together. Compatibility, yeah. <laughs> and my style is very like lip focus, and then the tongue is sort of a spice, <laughs> but it's not the main dish. And I think some people are very tonguey. And if I'm with a guy who's very tonguey, it doesn't work. I feel like my mouth is being attacked. I also feel like different lips can do different shapes that I'm like, how are you everywhere right now? But I love the difference and I'm, I've gotten like kind of less picky, but it's also been a minute since I like kissed someone for love. So, But don't you think part of what feels like you're becoming less picky is just that all the people you're kissing are becoming older and more experienced? That's a great observation. I guess I have been overall just like kissing older people and probably also becoming more confident in my own abilities to kiss. Because it's been a decade since my first boyfriend was like, you're a bad kisser. And I was like, what? And then I like believed him for a little while, even though we like dated for two and a half years and like, you know, but he would tease me about it. But I think what he was communicating to me very ineloquently is that I have a very real hard time getting certain human signals. And I don't know what they are. You know, like there is a certain like sometimes I have a hard time finding a rhythm with a person. And that is not just physical, it's energetic. And so I'm only now gaining greater awareness, like now as of like the past four days, like in an interview yesterday, I was like, oh, I just saw how my energy blip like caused that other person's like reaction and it broke the flow of our conversation. So I'm gaining all these new awarenesses. And so looking back like to a decade ago, I'm like, oh, yeah, I see what he was trying to say. And we're still very good friends. You know, like it wasn't like a deal breaker. But yeah, you're right. I am kissing older people and gaining confidence and awareness. I think that applies to sex too, this energetic thing, and especially rhythm. Like usually when I have very awkward sex, it's usually because we just don't have the same rhythm. Yeah. It's so rare that I experience people as bad in bed because of something technical. It's often an energy thing. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Tell us what your sexual hopes for the future are. I think mainly I really want to explore my submissive self more. Yes. Because, you know, it's only been two, three years of exploring that. And I feel like there's so much more I could do. And I really want to go to like a sex party or a club or something. I mean, that's really a big dream of mine. Not necessarily to do anything, but just experience it. It's exciting. And see the people and the outfits and the vibe. Maybe try out a cage. It would be really nice. So that's definitely a huge hope for me that I can go to a bigger city and experience a bit more like a scene. Oh, I love that. If you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say? I would definitely go back to when I started having sex, those first very passive years, and tell myself that, hey, you are the one having sex. It's not something happening to you. And it's okay for you to be demanding because I think I had this idea that it was all about pleasing the guy. I had that too. Yeah, I really wasn't asking myself, what do you want right now, ever? So I think I would say to my 15-year-old self to really just relax and enjoy it and take charge. I love that. Also, I want to ask myself, like, I want to just, like, take that little clip and play it for myself every day. What do you want right now? Like, may we all continue to answer that question for ourselves? I feel like that's what I'm just learning is the focus of my daily, like, pointing my life. But also, I think I was 28 when I started touching myself during partner sex. Yeah. So 
like that very concrete way of taking charge of my own pleasure and my own orgasm. It took me so long to not be too shy for that. Me too. It took me so long and a really bad lover to, <laughs> to start doing it. <laughs> I had to, ha I was 27 and it was because my former master was like, show me how you touch yourself. And I was like, <gasps> what? You want to look? And he's like, it's hot. And I was like, <gasps> Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is actually. Right. Me getting off is hot. Okay. I, yeah. I think I was shy about it also because I did like in porn when women masturbate, it's always the flat hand. It's always the DJ. Yeah. Record scratching. And I only use one finger on my clip. That's so cool. <laughs> like I just wore my clip with my index finger. And I always thought that guys would find that weird because it's not what they do in porn. Yeah. Okay. So that just reminds me of a like... I have so many weird ideas about things that I want to do. For example, I want to take pictures of every single lover who's inside of me, like just the fingers or the dildo or the cock or whatever, like just the insertion shot. I would love to have like video clips of it or like hearing you say that. I'm like, could we all just please make horizontal, not vertical, horizontal versions of like get someone to just film us touching ourselves and just slowly pan the camera across for like 69 seconds and then like make a 69 second montage of just like a bajillion different people touching themselves a bajillion different ways like that's the type of stuff I want to make just because I think it's so interesting and so helpful to see the differences that's when I think comparison is helpful to be like oh all the versions great I agree it would be amazing I would love to see that if you make it I was going to say, maybe that'll be one of the offerings on the Playship Road trip. I mean, like, yeah, I have so many ideas like that that I just need to organize and schedule. So that's my work bucket list. Thank you. And thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was very informative and lovely. Do you have a sex question for me? Yeah, I was actually going to ask you when you're too in your head or what to do those times when it's not like you're not in the mood for sex or you're opposed to it but you just somehow never get in the right headspace or into your body what do you do in those situations I mean I guess you kind of answered a bit like you could just do a slap but is there anything else that I might be able to use <laughs> yes lovely humans thank you for listening if you appreciate the work that I put into this podcast, I would love it if you took the time to leave us five stars and a nice review wherever you get your podcasts, especially Spotify, since last year's troll attack on our ratings is still affecting our ability to be found via search. <laughs> I do love getting to know you and hearing your stories and meeting you lovely humans in real life. And remember, if you want to collaborate, Apply to be a guest or leave us a single story voice memo via xstoriespodcast.com or sexstoriespodcast.com. Sex stories are always going to be my favorite, but now I also have question lists for love, friendship, dating, relationships, marriage, divorce, secrets, and so much more so that we can learn about connection through each other's experiences. I fucking love getting your emails and voice memos and receiving thoughtful noodle messages. It truly is hearing from you that fuels this work for me. And if you want to go deeper with me, get to know me, and support this podcast in meaningful, concrete ways, find me on Patreon, OnlyFans, FetLife, Venmo, Cash App, and all social media platforms at Wiley, or work with me privately for photo and video shoots, relationship support, creative breakthrough sessions, and retreats. Wiley.com slash links is where you can find the list of all the ways to play with me, and the link is in the description below. Thank you for joining me to spread ripples of love to co-create a world where taking care of each other is the norm. Thank you for spoiling and inspiring me with your stories and your support. 
please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember to share stories in the name of lovely human connection. 